Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Have you ever been in a leadership meeting where 20% of the people are taking up 80% of the airtime? I'm Davina Stanley, and as usual, I'm here with Richard Medcalf to introduce to you Season 3, Episode 6 of the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. Good afternoon, Richard. How are you? Hi, Dav. Yeah, it's, um, it's morning here for me at the side of the world. I do love how we get to uh, span the globe with our discussions. It's, um, you know, in a year where everyone complains about about Zoom and spending all their time on Teams and all these other kind of platforms, it's you still got to stop and go, it's incredible, right, that we get to do this um, on a Isn't night, it? autumn, morning um, here in France. And, and frankly, a lovely, warm, balmy Sydney afternoon. I've been out for my walk and it's, been, it's quite lovely lovely so yeah there's probably was, very um, sorry there's going to be just reacting there's probably very few moments when you know here in France we get better weather than you were having in Sydney even you know <laughs> even, even when it's massively summer here and winter there you're probably still beating us on the cloud cover front or the sunniness front or whatever so. Sydney Sydney is pretty good and I'm pretty spoilt where I am where I go for my walk I walk around a, a little bay and there are boats clinking and and all of that so it's it's quite special so when COVID's over you'll have to come visit it's, yeah. it's very nice here I know I, I love Sydney I always I, I love I always said that if you could kind of basically unmoor Sydney and drive it round and park it somewhere convenient it'd be a wonderful place to live <laughs> I love that because honestly, getting on a plane for a day to come and visit you—it's—it's it's a bit of a schlep, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, I've done it several time. times with with children under two, so um, I know that well. <laughs> yeah, I've done that too. I've done that too. So, thankfully, uh, mine have grown up a little bit now. So, mine—I can send mine off on their own now. So, how's that? Yeah. It's, it's very, very nice. Very nice. So. Um, Richard, what have we got to talk about today? We, we've all been in meetings where, you know, they're dominated just by a few people. It can be really annoying and you get these really, you know, unbalanced conversations and the fact that we sometimes have to put up with really long-winded colleagues too. What's going on there? What, what do we do? Yeah, so you're right. I mean, pretty much everybody I talk to, if, if I say this 80-20 rule, you know, in your meetings, do you find that 20% of people dominate 80% of the airtime? So many people put their hands up and go, oh, yes, that's my world. And it's a problem for a few reasons, if you think about it. I mean, it's more than it's just we have to put up with some colleagues spouting on at us. Um, uh, and let's face it, you know, we all have a tendency here. Some of us don't speak up enough and some of us speak too much. So I'm definitely in the latter category, I think, when I look back at my own interventions. Um, First thing is that you know even long-windedness is a problem. Um, I remember uh, a colleague of mine. He used to be a consultant, and he always told me of a story where uh, he'd be in a room, and um, uh, the, the big meeting, a client meeting, and, and the chief executive said uh, he stopped the meeting and um, and said, "Wait a second, just tell me, um, Peter, your day rate." 
And of course, he started to waffle with every consultants do. Oh, well, it's all based on the value and, you know, the blah, blah, blah. He says, yeah, 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 I know that. But just like roughly, what's your day rate? So he said what it is. He said, okay. And then we've got how many of these consultants here? You know, three of these consultants. And then we've got these executives in the room. I know their salary, blah, 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 blah. I calculated and said, this meeting is costing us, you know, $15,000 an hour or whatever it was. So I want you guys to shut up and listen to this mess, <laughs> right? And that was how he started the meeting. But the point was, meetings are expensive, especially when you've got your senior people there. Um, not only expensive in terms of the salary, if you like, you're burning through, but in terms of the attention that you're taking, the, the mm. effort, the time that could be used elsewhere, the, 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 um, uh, yeah, the opportunity cost. The opportunity cost, exactly. Um, so we want to make good use of our meetings. The second thing is, it's generally the same people who are hogging the airtime. And so this is actually about personality and interaction style more than it is about expertise and content. And value add. And value add, mm. right. So mm. obviously there will be people who've got a lot of experience and will perhaps be weighing in a lot, but there'll be equal, equally people who've got good experience and good points of view that won't be being heard. Um, and so that's the third point. It hurts team dynamics, right? One thing that's happening is uh, one half of the room is going, oh, you know, these guys are always kind of going on, um, holding stage, you know, holding court um, and uh, not listening. And then the other half are actually going, yeah, frankly, these people, I'm not even sure why they're in this room. Like they've got, they've got nothing to contribute. Why do they even bother showing up if they're not going to talk? Um, and both sides have this kind of incomprehension. I worked with a leadership team and there was a, um, a fairly quiet uh, lady in the room who was relatively new um, to the team. And when I'd spoken with a lot of individuals one-on-one, -on -one, they were always saying, yeah, you know, she's very, she really hasn't got a lot to add. You know, she's new and she doesn't seem to have anything to say. Um, and it basically written her off as somebody who was yeah, good in her function, you know, good to, do what she did, but not really in this leadership team. When I spoke to her, it was incredible because she has so many ideas. She, you know, she saw the lack of innovation, just the kind of the the patterns of yeah, you know, this is what we need to do. No, nobody challenging the status quo. Um, so she saw these things that had a lot to bring. And we can argue, you know, was it her fault for not speaking up? Was it their fault for not giving a space? It was probably both. But this, this dynamic, when it sets in, does definitely damage the team. Um, no, it does. I've seen that. I've seen that quite a bit, actually. And, you know, whether it's construct or just talking a lot, but useful conversation, just talking a lot, or sometimes where it's, it's not such useful conversation too. Either, either can be damaging, can't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They can be damaging. And I think the other thing is, and when we go into this whole world of VUCA, which we live in, right, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous, um, where really there aren't any right answers in for these big challenges that we're facing and where we cause and effect really are really complicated and hard to disentangle. We need a diversity of perspectives, right? We need mm. to get different ways of looking at the event, different things that we might not be seeing ourselves. And you know, diversity has become a bit of, you know, is obviously a buzzword and, um, and everything else. And to be honest, for a while, I was a little bit like, um, probably from my privileged position as a white male, et cetera, going like, you know, is this just 
just politically correct you know and then as i started to think about it i realized that no it really brings a clearer or fuller richer picture of what's going on and improved decision making but obviously if we're only limiting our conversation primarily to a couple of people in the room at each time we're really missing out on other people's perspectives it might not be the technical expertise but it might be guys thinking about the people dynamics impact of this or thinking about what's how this is going to reap the repercussions of this decision in another part of the organization so we don't get the full picture mm. when we have this unbalanced lopsided conversations and then no, I I get, can, see that. I, can i add one thing in there that sure, i see sorry, i wonder if you're it. seeing as well no that's fine um, and that is where we have, you know, diversity of gender, which is talked about a lot in Australia, particularly. You're also mentioning mm. the diversity of discipline or expertise. So that's another factor. But also dis- a diversity of thinking style mm. is also quite useful. You know, whether somebody's a really helpful challenger and really good at being analytical and digging in and asking questions which other people might want to gloss over rather than actually getting to the heart of a matter or whether somebody gets stuck in the detail too much and they need to be lifted up. Balancing those things can also be um, worth Mm. considering, can't it? Like different kinds of diversity. Absolutely. We could do a whole series on that, I think. Um, I I look at, I really help exec teams look at their thinking styles, going beyond personalities, in fact, um, Mm. into where actually is our energy for making an impact in this business? Are we trying to be very strategic? Are we trying to just get the things done? Are we trying to innovate? All these different factors that are the unspoken agendas that we bring into uh, discussions. And um, I think fundamentally what happens as you go through this is that people disengage um, and the team energy takes a dive because, yeah, you know, a meeting where three people have basically spent most of the time doing all the speaking, everybody else has kind of been chipping in now and again. It's just not really a fun and energizing meeting, even for the three people that were doing all the talking, you know. Um, and, And so that, again, if we want the... Uh, leadership team to be the number one team in our organization the role model um people making perhaps the biggest decisions in the in the in the business that's the problem absolutely absolutely so um i guess you know you, you've come across five things there haven't you about the sorts of problems that um we can see with the teams when we do have that unbalanced sort of um conversation so what do we do with that though? You know, if you've got those sort of five issues, how can you resolve it? How can you get the balance back? Yeah, well, I've got five points, Dave, because you've been telling me off only having three or at least noting that I only ever have three points. So I always <laughs> to innovate. I've not been telling you off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're not retaining me off. But I wanted to, you know, break the mold and radically go for, th- for five this time. Um, so what do we do to address this issue of, of people dominating 80% of the airtime. Number one, let's be honest, often it's the leader that speaks the most. So let's look at yourself. There's a choice here. Are you ready to create a team dynamic, a real team dynamic, where everybody is actually valued? Or are you just giving lip service to that? As in, it sounds a nice idea, but secretly you're quite content to be the great wise king, making all the decisions with the advice of your courtiers around you. Right? Often leaders actually quite like making all the decisions, being in the middle of the discussions, uh, getting their own way. And uh, they're just trying to get everyone on their team to agree with them or comply with their agenda. 
if you do that, you're never going to have a balanced team discussion. So the first question is, are you bought into this idea that actually a team which is contributing in a balanced fashion will generate the best outcomes? So that's the first point. Be honest with yourself. Very good. And um, when you when you're talking in the team, how do you um, how do you monitor that? Because sometimes we are, I think, um, our own worst enemies. We don't realise, do we? If that's our style. Right. Yeah. So I, I often get people to stop at the start of a meeting and really just check in and just think about how they intend to interact in this meeting. Um, often say, like, stop for a second and write down three adjectives on a piece of paper about how you'd like to show up in the next hour. What kind of leader do you want to be? What's going to be the, your personal guidelines for this hour? Just get them to stop and, not, and get off the automatic mode, get them off the tram lines. So this is the second point. Have this discussion with the team uh, and invite them really to consider their volume setting. Right. Imagine you've got a volume dial from 0 to 10. Where's your typical setting? Where would you like it to be in this meeting? Um, you could even go around and ask people, right? Or get people to just to wave their hands in the air and put, you know, how many fingers up, you know? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a seven and I want to get down to a five or I'm, a, I'm normally a 10, I want to be an eight or I'm a two, I want to be a four. Um, just get people to kind of talk about that. And then at the end of the meeting, spend like 20 seconds just going around saying, okay, what volume level do you believe you're at today? And just check in with them. It doesn't take very long, um, but you're building awareness, right? And when people know that question is going to come at the end of the meeting, they will start to observe themselves more and be more intentional. And be more intentional. That's a really simple thing to do, isn't it? And that whole feedback loop that you're creating there, I can imagine being really useful actually oh, that that sounds great and um I, I noticed your next point here in the notes about taking turns and yeah. putting yourself last I love that one that's one yeah. that I've challenged myself with to put myself last it's not easy is it well no especially as you see for me I keep interrupting you I have you know I, I have lots of ideas right and many I think leaders have the same issue right they've got lots of ideas they're thinking ahead they can see what they can contribute they can see how they can add value um and often, if you're a highly strategic thinker, you might be really ready to jump in. You've already thought about the issue you've put on the table. Uh, you've pretty much figured out what you think is the best idea. And you're excited to tell people about it. <laughs> and a little bit irritated when people don't keep up with you. Most, there we possibly. go. Possibly. possibly <laughs> comment. Uh, but, so, um, but the issue is that some personalities will not weigh in once the more dominant assertive types have made their position clear because they just don't want to have that particular battle in the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we, often with exec teams, I really help them and figure out based on personality and style, um, who needs to be speaking first or at least invited to speak first. You're not going to put people on the spot and force them to speak, but you can going to turn to one of the quieter members and say, hey, you know, what's your thoughts on this? And then zip up, wait for them to consider and say what they want to say often they'll have an insight which the other people will not be thinking of that's perhaps deeper or an interesting perspective and what that does is actually allows the kind of the loud the loud mouth and possibly the you know the kind of have all the, the the strategic thinkers who are trying to fit all these things in they've suddenly got more data 
for them to actually refine their position before they commit to a position mm -hmm. and before they, mm -hmm. they start to speak. And so actually the team benefits because you get the different voices contributing um, and that makes the whole discussion richer. So I think really thinking about a turn order and we've lit I've literally got people to um, sit around the table. I mean, uh, sometimes in a specific order so it was like, just have regular seats. These, like, these are just, let's just like a family meal. You always know where you're going to sit, right? In, in around the boardroom, don't just randomly sit, you know, closest to the door or furthest from the door, whatever, or where the next space is. Like, have a bit of a table plan. And, and then it's very easy then for it to be natural. You'd have to think about who do we say was going to speak next? You literally just go around the room from left to right, say, and you naturally get that build-up effect. So it's one of those things of what I call a zero effort environment. You know, you agree once a seating plan, and then you never have to think about it again. It's not one of those things of, oh yeah, we well, said we'd just do a certain turn order back in that offsite 12 months ago, and we never did it because you made the decision once, then and now it's just it. become part of your habits. You have to think and to be contrarian, does it? Do you notice a shift if you muck the order up on purpose? Does it change the dynamic of the group? I mean, I think changing the order will change the dynamic. And um, certainly when you do make this shift the first time, people are amazed. I, I, I remember clients saying, wow, you know, it's amazing this person they've spoken now, we're getting all this insight from them, it's amazing. And everyone's more engaged. It really makes a, a big difference. Um, you know, once you've done that, then possibly you can then start to, to mix it up, especially once people have got the habit of contributing more, of drawing out mm. their colleagues. Mm. But I think when we're starting, we need to kind of impose some a rules structure. to help us yes. do this. Yeah. And you'd advocate putting the quieter people first, would you? Yeah, generally, I go. For, there's, there's generally two sorts of quiet people. Um, one is people who are basically... Um, more introverted and also quite conflict averse. So they don't want to, they don't want to have in front of a whole load of people, you know, a, an argument about a point, you know, they, they'd rather take it offline, do it outside the meeting or whatever, one-to-one. -one. And the other one are those people who've got great ideas, but can struggle to articulate them sometimes. Um, so people, they're often the kind of the, the, the more radical thinkers, the further the deepest thinkers but when it comes out their mouth the first time everyone was going what was that about uh yeah. is that relevant yeah. to our discussion and often those people need to be drawn out and the gold mined in what they're saying so generally i and find you those... have to help them yeah normally Sorry, you I, ask I in... into you there. yeah mm. yeah it's the mining for gold as i said in them and drawing out what did you mean what's why do you think that what's going on there Yes, yes, rather than potentially shutting them down or diverting onto something else because it, you don't understand where they've come from. Yeah, hopefully once you see that happen a few times where they have the gold has been mined out, people will suddenly realise what sort of gems sit under there too. But yeah. um, I can imagine, you know, just seeing that at play for a little while, really shifting, shifting the dynamics. So you've got one more thing there about asking or giving explicit permission. What do you want to yeah. Say? Well, actually, no. I've actually. Well, I'm gonna. No, that only give me four points, right? We've got. We've got three so far. We've got being honest about your. We've got be honest about yourself, right? You've got having a discussion with a team about volume settings. You've got your turn order. Um, then th number four is really about 
how much of your time is spent in one big group discussion versus smaller discussions. Often exec teams are, often team meetings are very boring, very mono format. It's just or a Zoom meeting or Teams meeting, right? It's just everybody on the screen talking, chatting about something. Uh, I find that actually mixing it up, using breakouts, getting people to turn to their neighbor, um, you know, feeding back in pairs or in threes, um, using some kind of process, right? Getting people to write on the board together or put, you know, to get people up and about so that you break things up from just this one big discussion where the 80-20 rule can so easily apply. So that's kind of like a, a process shot, part. Yeah, it is a workshop. I mean, it, it's bringing in some of those concepts that you would do in a workshop, but into your team meeting, right? Because the reason that we use those things in workshops is it gets people talking, it gets people engaged, it, it brings everybody out, all the things you want to be doing in your regular mm -hmm. team meeting. It does, yeah. And, and so, that's, so that's really about the process, I suppose, um, the format. And then I think the last one, and we, we've touched on it before, is this thing around the functional expertise, right? Um, give people, often people don't feel they have permission to speak on subjects to which they feel they're not an expert, right? Because often we've been going up in our functional groups where it's the functional expertise that's been the most valued. And now we're in this executive team, perhaps. And can I really, you know, can I, I mean, I'm the HR leader. Can I really weigh in about this business transformation issue uh, or in about this commercial issue? Do they even want that? Mm. I don't want to just talk for the sake of talking, right? Of course. But I think often, back to that question of VUCA, we all have perspectives, questions. We can all, you know, we can um, sanity check. We can push people's thinking. We can ask about a perspective they've not been thinking about. Mm. I think give up making sure people understand they've got explicit permission for that and repeat that because they won't believe it the first few times you say it. Really giving them mm. permission that um, this is a discussion where we all need to understand the issues and be really bought in to our decisions. And so let's ask each other the, the, the dumb questions. Um, mm. Or mm. Push ourselves or push somebody else on their area of expertise, help them think outside the box. So I think permission is the last element of this. Yeah, no, I can see that being really, really important. And as I'm sort of listening to you there going through those those five things, I think that turn order jumps out at me as being particularly useful in just such a simple way to shift the dynamic. So that's one of the, the things I love about our conversations is that I think you have very practical and simple things that um, are really, really useful to apply. So I think that's given people a really good sense of some very practical things that they can do to help shake up that dynamic and balance out the conversations. Um, so look, next time we'll look at another common um, issue that CEOs have to do with their leadership teams and that's meetings that are uninspiring and frankly unproductive. And um, what have you got any final thoughts there Richard? Yeah, so before we jump in next time to the meeting discussion, um, perhaps it's worth Remembering that balanced, con balanced contribution is a key sign of a high value creating team. Google did some famous research a while back, and that was one of the top two factors uh, that came out of it. Uh, when people each contribute roughly equally, you have more engaged, high performing, more committed, uh, more adaptable teams. And so as a leader, it's your job to create the environment where every voice around the table is heard and where every perspective 
is valued. And it starts with you. So that's the uncomfortable truth, isn't it? Always. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's the uncomfortable truth. It's are you truly committed to making this balanced uh, discussion a norm in your team? Uh, and if you are, if, feel free to get in touch. It's one of the, um, it's a passion area of mine and it's something we can crack. And um, there's definitely some very practical uh, and simple ways that we can make that happen in your team. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thanks, Richard. So as ever, you can go to the show notes to get some details about what we've talked about today. And you can find those at xquadrant.com forward slash season three, episode six. And if you want to get details about any of the other episodes, just go to xquadrant.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much, everyone. We look forward to talking to you again very soon. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.